The Children Trap The Biblical Blueprint for Education This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit garynorth.com forward slash freebooks to download this book. Chapter 7 Christian Schools Must Resist State Certification Quote Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. These people go up to to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore the king took counsel and made two two calves of gold, and he said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set one up, and he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one. For the people went up to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made he made shrines in the high places, and made priests from every class of people who were not the sons of Levi. End quote. First Kings chapter twelve verses twenty six to thirty one. Jeroboam had created a successful political and military revolt against against Rehoboam, son of Solomon, who had foolishly and rebelliously threatened to impose heavy additional taxes on the nation of it on the nation of Israel. Jeroboam led ten of the twelve tribes into revolt. Jeroboam was no fool; he understood that a successful military re- military revolt cannot be seen cannot be sustained long enough to become a true revolution unless the hearts of the people are changed changed religiously and morally. Military power is not enough. The people will drift back to the politics of the past if their spiritual hearts are still looking to the past. This was the same problem Moses faced with the Israelites in the wilderness. It was solved only when the original generation of slaves died except Joshua and Caleb, and the future-looking second generation marched into Canaan. Jeroboam saw a way to gain the hearts of his people. He recognized that they he recognized that they had very poor theology. They were therefore already in partial ethical rebellion against God, so he played to the crowd's worst impulses. He adopted a quote, lowest common denominator lowest common denominator, unquote, theology. He returned ritually to the wicked theology of Egypt and had, and had golden calves built. These, he said, had delivered them from Egypt. The public bought it. They wanted to believe it, and he made it easy for them. He built a new system of corrupt worship in order to solidify his own political power, like the dog that returns to its vomit. Second Peter chapter two verse twenty two. So did the people of Israel return to the corrupt theology, corrupt theology of the wilderness rebellion. The original philosophers of the humanist public school movement hated Christianity. They knew it was their purpose. They knew they knew it was their supreme enemy. But they also knew that most Americans were Christians. Their incredibly successful strategy was to adopt the model of Prussia's anti-Christian 
Hegelian state school system, officially neutral, religiously, officially neutral religiously, taxpayer finance schools would adopt the religion of humanism as a substitute for Christianity. They would teach, quote, good citizenship, unquote, and they would teach universal morality. They would not discriminate against anyone's religion. Just like Jeroboam's golden calves wouldn't discriminate against God, and just so long as nobody tried to call the people back to the Bible-believing faith of their Bible-believing faith of their fathers. Also, like Jeroboam's political theology, the goal of humanism is to get people to obey the state. Jeroboam wanted the people to obey a new state. The humanists in the 19th century wanted Christians to obey the humanist state. They took over a dangerous Puritan institution, the compulsory, taxpayer-financed local school, as their chosen instrument of oppression. The golden calf had already been built. They just took it over. In the light of this humanistic strategy, we need to consider some of the ways that secular government. We need to consider some of the ways that secular governments try to control try to control try to control Christian schools. Licensure, censure. Governments governments license about everything and everyone. Governments license about everything and everybody and everybody these days. They license cars, boats, trucks, dogs, doctors, nurses, businesses, barbers, and builders. About the only groups not licensed are cats and clergymen, both of which put up too much fuss to make it worthwhile. Would you go to an unlicensed physician for heart surgery? After reading a recent Wall Street Journal article, I'm not so sure I would go to one who was licensed. It seems there are some quacks in the profession who have managed, one way or the other, to get a license. What I would like to have is a statement from a legally liable private insurance company that a particular physician is insured by them. Is insured by them. They have a direct incentive to make sure the people they insure are competent. There are quacks in every profession and they can cause you a lot of harm. I read about a man who was run over by an unlicensed driver in an unregistered car. I have read far more accounts of persons being run over by licensed drivers in registered cars. Even licensed persons have been known to get run over by registered cars driven by licensed drivers. To make, matters wor- to make matters worse, government officials have been known to have accidents in government-owned vehicles. No, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. Not trying to make fun of anybody. I just, I just think, I just think we need to think a bit about what is involved in licensure. A local private school always displayed prominently in its advertising that it was state licensed. My wife and I used to chuckle about that because. We were rather proud of the fact that we were not state-licensed. For some strange reason, our enrolment kept doubling every year. So you understand that you understand that couldn't keep up forever, or else everybody on earth would be enrolled, or else everybody, or else everybody on earth would be enrolled in our school in a few years. While that state-licensed school hardly grew at all. 
What is licensure anyway? Licensure, licensure, involves permission. By granting you a license, the state is permitting you to do something. If you want to drive a car on the state's highway, you had better get a license. If you want to get married, you will need a license. Have you ever wondered why you need a state license to get married? Does the state own the family? That is the key question Ray Sutton's book addresses in the Biblical Blueprint series. Who owns the family? I find it interesting that, as a minister, I must be bonded to perform weddings. You have to get a birth certificate, and your heirs have to get you a death certificate. They've got you coming and going. The Sullivan Case When a school is licensed, the state is saying it has permission to exist. Pastor Everett, Sul- Pastor Everett Sullivan of Faith Baptist Church in, Louis- in Louisville, Nebraska, was tossed into jail in 1983 because he was, was running a church school without a license from the state. Why didn't Sullivan get a license? He refused licensure because an important principle was at stake. To take a license from the state meant that Pastor Sullivan agreed that the state had the right to permit the school to exist. In Sullivan's case, it was more than the school. The school was a ministry of the church. The state of Nebraska was saying that it had the right to license a ministry of the church. It was only the outrage of Christians all over the all over the United all over the United all over the United States that pressured the state to repeal all laws infringing upon parental choice in schools. The videotape, videotape footage of the sheriff taking Sullivan to jail mobilized the Christians when it was shown on Christian television shows and in churches. Even the humanist media, even the humanist media visited, even the humanist media visited, even the humanist media visited Nebraska visited Nebraska and called government's action into question. The politicians were being embarrassed publicly month after month. They hated the public exposure. Finally, the Federal Court of Appeals declared that the state had violated Sullivan's civil rights and the rights of dozens of ministers who had been forcibly dragged out of the church. The sheriff had a heart attack and retired. If Christians in Nebraska had rolled over and played dead, state bureaucrats would have treated them as political corpses. When we Christians act, when we Christians act as though we were doormats, the humanists wipe our feet on us, wipe their feet on us. But the Bible says that God treats his enemies as footstools. Psalm 101, Psalm 110, Psalm 110 verse 1. The secular humanists are always bleating about the need to separate church and state. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. They did not initially lift a hand to defend Sullivan's tiny congregation. Only when the videotapes news started appearing on national television and in churches did the, polit- did the politicians and educational bureaucrats think twice. The state branch of the National Education Association Trade Union, the nation's largest political lobby, never did acknowledge that Sullivan's Sullivan's case involved basic religious rights. They fought the they fought the backtracking politicians all the way. 
The Constitution of the United States says that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of, reli- establishment of religion, nor can the Congress of the states prohibit the, f- prohibit the free exercise of religion. The issue goes beyond the Constitution, however. Under biblical law, the Church is an institution under the authority of God. The King could not usurp, the King could not usurp priestly functions. Pastor Sullivan won the case. The state has backed off. That doesn't mean the licensing battle is over. It will come up again and again. What licensing implies. Some Christians don't understand the implications of licensing, of licensing a church. They think that it does not differ from getting a license for, getting a license for your car or your dog. The whole matter of licensing all kinds of professions is outside the scope of this book. Hopefully, God's people will at least recognise that the church must never look to the state for its legal right to exist. There, there, is, one license, there is one aspect of licensure I would like to comment on further. This has to do with licensure, licensure of a school that is not under the ministry of a church. I see no reason why the state should licence any schools, Schools exist to meet the needs that parents have to educate their children. Parents, not civil rulers, are responsible for the education of their children. Therefore, parents should not have to get permission from the from the state should not have to get permission from the state to educate the to educate their children. The state has no more right to curb the freedom of the parents than it has to curb the freedom of the church in this matter. There should be separation of family and state, just as there is separation of church and state. This means also the separation of school and state, for the school is the agent of the family. Separation of church and state does not mean that the church is to be religiously, the church is to be religious, religious, and the state is to be secular. Church and state are both under God. The family is also under the authority of God. Jesus told Pilate that he would Jesus told Pilate that he would have no authority over him were it not given to him by God. Paul says that the powers that powers that be are ordained of God. The three basic institutions are family, church, and state. They each have spheres in which they are they each have spheres in which they are to operate. They have separate functions, but each is to be under God. The civil government does not need the permission of the church to execute murderers. The church does not need the permission of the state to proclaim the gospel. The family does not require the permission of church or state to instruct children. When church or state tries to assume the prerogatives of God and control, of, and control all of society, we are headed for tyranny. God would have us live in freedom under Jesus. God would have us live in freedom under Christ. Jesus Christ is God. He is Lord. He gives us permission to educate our children. We don't require a license from any civil ruler. Any civil ruler. Accreditation. Quote, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his Son. End quote. 
These are the familiar words of the Apostles' Creed. Apostles' Creed, known by Christians everywhere. In the Latin from which the Creed is translated, the words, quote, I believe, end quote, are expressed in one word. That word is credo. Our word creed comes from credo. The creed is a statement of what we believe. Of what we believe. Some other familiar words have their root in credo. They are credit, creditor, and accredit. When we say that we believe in God in God and in Christ, we are saying that we are putting our faith in a higher being. When a school is accredited, is accredited, the school is putting its faith in a higher institution which grants the school legitimacy. When a school is when a school is accredited by the state, the school is putting its faith in the state and being accepted by the state. Thus, accreditation is a religious act. This explains why accreditation is one of the means used by humanistic governments to control Christian schools. I have operated a Christian school for over 25 years. Interviews with parents who are considering enrolling children. In, in interviews with parents who are considering enrolling children, I have heard one question over and over. Is the school accredited? This is always one of my favourite questions. I was always proud to say, no, we are not accredited and we have no desire to be accredited. These parents have been attracted to the school because we had established a good reputation in the community. Naturally, they were puzzled at my response. Many did not ask the question. Perhaps they just assumed we were accredited, we were accredited. Why did these parents ask about accreditation? Primarily, primarily, I believe, because they had heard repeatedly that good schools are always accredited. Some think that if the school is not accredited, the students will not be accepted if they transfer to the public schools, or that they, quote, won't be able to get into college, end quote. Let's take a look at some of these concerns. Let's start with the won't be able to get into college idea. The school I operated has now graduated 18 classes from high school. We have never had a student who couldn't get into college. I wouldn't claim that our graduates always get into the college that is their first choice. Then again, I don't know any school that could I don't know any school that could make that claim. One of the most interesting experiences we had was with our first graduate. She was not only our first graduate, she was our only graduate that year. She had barely turned sweet 16 before she was graduated. She was valid she was valid valid she was valid valedictorian student of her high school class, of course. She also rad she also ranked last in her class. It depends on how you look at it. Anyway, she enrolled in a branch of the University of Virginia. The following year, we had twice as many graduates. Two, one of them enrolled in the same branch of the University of Virginia, University of Virgi- Virgi- University of Virginia. Then the second one applied there. At that point, I got a phone call from the admissions office. M- Mr. Thoburn, what are you doing about accreditation? Nothing. Why? was my quick reply. 
Well, we have an application here from one of your students, and I notice and I notice that your school is not accredited, she explained. We have one of your we have one of your students here now. She is doing very well, but we can't take any more. We aren't allowed to take students from non-accredited schools. We pointed out that the student who was applying had done quite well on the college entrance college entrance examination. She admitted that she admitted this was the case, but it didn't matter. Then I said, "Okay, I won't send any more Okay, I won't send any more students your way. Actually, I prefer to see them going to a Christian college anyway. I'm thinking about starting my own college. I was too." This obviously got to her. The next morning I got another call from her. We took this up with the Dean and the Admissions Committee. We've decided to consider your graduates on an individual basis. Yes, I'm not very bright. I thought all students were considered on an individual basis. The student was, am the student was admitted. And every student who applied there since has been admitted has been admitted. The fun thing about this whole episode was that our first graduate finished her course at finished her course at this college at the ripe old age of twenty when and she was the valedict she was the valedictorian of her college class, numbering over four hundred students. Of course, from their point of view, they also got what they wanted. I never did start a college. I ran into this problem of getting students into college on other occasions. Every time the student was admitted, but every time the student was admitted. One family that had a, one family that had a student graduate from another Christian school came to me for help. The United States Army wasn't going to take students from non-accredited schools. We worked out that we worked we worked that one out rather fast and the young man got into the service. Now, now we were now we were finding that the colleges are now we are finding that the colleges are actively trying to recruit our students. They want to talk to our seniors. One college president called me. He said they were eager to get students from Christian schools. Service academies regularly contact us for po for possible students. If we Christians operate excellent schools. We don't need to worry about our children getting into college. The colleges that are worth attending will appreciate young people who are interested in something other than beer and pot. I remember visiting pretty prestigious Stanford University at the time of the student riots in the, in the late 1960s. I, it, looked as a, it looked as though it had been bombed out, broken windows had been boarded up. It was a war zone. The colleges in that era learned to welcome students who weren't going to tear the place apart. One of my own sons, who now runs our Christian school, was graduated from our high school at age 15. When he went off to college, he took college-level entrance tests and received a full year of college credit. He was a sophomore in, he was a sophomore, he was a sophomore in college at age 15 and graduated at age 18. One of his complaints about college was that the students were immature. What about transferring to the public schools? This has to be the biggest bugaboo of all. We have found that our students are often put ahead of full grade when they transfer. 
On the other hand, we often have to put them back a grade or two grades when they transfer to us from the public school. We need to realize that the government schools that the government schools want every child they can get their hands on. It means more money and more power for them. They're not going to make it difficult to transfer back to their schools. All they want to do is to create the impression that this is some kind of problem so parents don't opt out for Christian schools in the first place. Is there any danger in accreditation? If a school feels accreditation is really important to them, I recommend it. I recommend joining with other like-minded schools and having a private accrediting agency. There is danger in getting state accreditation, or there is danger in getting state accreditation, or in being a, or be or in being accredited by a private organisation that has a humanistic philosophy. State accreditation involves state control. Furthermore, we should not want humanists passing upon the standards of passing upon the standards of our schools. The accrediting agency, the accrediting agency is going to influence in a subtle manner in many cases the curriculum, the educational philosophy, teacher, qualifi- teacher qualifications, and other aspects of the school. The requirements for edic- the requirements for the requirements for accreditation may appear to be very reasonable and consistent with the school's standards. The difficulty may arise when the requirements are changed. The new standards may be totally unacceptable. Then, then the school must accept them or, quote, lose its accreditation, unquote. In the public mind, it is a terrible thing for a school to lose its accreditation. It is better never to have it. It is better never to have had it in the it is better to never have it is better to never had had it in the first place accreditations can work hardships upon a school in holland michigan michigan many years ago the christian schools were told that they must that they must have shop and home economics to be accredited the school the schools wanted neither because they felt this because they felt this was being handled adequately at home Requiring such courses can be expensive, not to mention that time is taken away from teaching the basics. Understand also that these schools were run by Dutch background churches, Holland, Michigan. These people were very often farmers. Their churches were filled with skilled cra- with skilled craftsmen. Dutch-owned Michigan Mac, Dutch-owned Michigan Mac, Dutch-owned Michigan. Dutch-owned Michigan manufacturing companies had, and still have, excellent national reputations for high-quality for high-quality production. These people did not resist the idea of shop courses because they, because they had no respect for craftsmanship. They just knew that students could learn such skills better in the local community in profit-seeking businesses. What the students needed to learn in school were the intellectual skills that are normally only available from trained teachers. Accrediting agencies might require a lower teacher-to-pupil ratio than is necessary for effective teaching. This would raise the cost of education without enhancing quality. The result would be that some students could not afford to attend the Christian school. A law school in Northern Virginia was established by Christians. It had biblical ethics as its basis. The school was refused 
The school was refused accreditation by the American Bar Association. As a result, the students couldn't, the students couldn't take the bar exam. They couldn't take the bar exam. They couldn't practice law. Thus, a chain of control was set up. The reason given for not accrediting the law school was that the American Bar Association was opposed to freestanding law schools. The law school needed to be merged with a college or university. The school knuckled under and merged with a state university. Needless to say, it is no longer a Christian law school. I suspected all along that the Bar Association's real reason for not accrediting the law school was its Christian roots. Not long after this, Oral Roberts University had difficulty getting its law school accredited. Christian connection was clearly was clearly the problem. The American Bar Association backed down when a suit was threatened. Think of it. Lawyers not wanting to go into court. To use a medical analogy, they faced the prospect of having to swallow some of their own medicine. Before going on to a, rela- before going on to a related subject, I want to cite another example to another example to show how to show how accreditation is not what it is cracked is not what it is cracked up to be by the child controllers. A few years ago, a few years ago, a young lady graduated at the top of her high school class in Washington D.C. She did so poorly on her college boards that she could not get into. She did so poorly on her college boards that she could not get into a local university. Imagine how the other students must have fared. The same thing happened in in a Baltimore City school. The valedictorian of a large high school couldn't get into college because of poor college board scores. What a terrible thing to do to students. They and their parents are proud of the education they think is being delivered by accredited schools. And then comes the day of reckoning. What good did that accreditation process do them? Kept them in a dream world. Certification of teachers. Mark Twain said that all you need for a school is a teacher sitting on one end of a log and a student on the other. A junior college English teacher in California says that her students frequently do not know who Mark Twain was. Those educationalists who are more interested in control than in imparting knowledge would insist that the log be the right length and diameter. They would at least want a license posted in a nearby tree to legitimise such a learning situation. The teacher on the log would need to be certified by the state. He or she would be required to attend an accredited college or university and to major in teaching methods. Then the state would issue a license for that person to teach and certify which subjects he could teach. If Albert Einstein offered to impart some wisdom in the area of physics, the state would say, We're sorry, Mr. Einstein. We realise that you know more about physics than anyone else in the world, but you have not taken the prescribed courses in an accredited college, so you cannot be certified to teach. Adam Smith never took a course in economics. James Madison never took a course in political science. Marx never studied economics or political science. His doctorate was in philosophy from a university he never actually attended because he wasn't going to be granted a degree from the University of Berlin, where he had been a student for years. He sent in his doctoral thesis to the University of Jena and they granted his degree by mail. 
Charles Darwin had a master's degree in theology, not biology. John Dewey never suffered the mind-dulling horrors of a university education department. Who are the accreditationists trying to fool? They couldn't hire the very people whose works are taught in their best schools. In Virginia, a few years ago, there was a man with a PhD who was married to a woman with a master's degree in mathematics. They were teaching one of the children at home. The state hauled them into court. Parents won in this case. But many have lost. You see, it is not enough even that a person have a college degree. He is not considered qualified to teach because he has not had the education courses, just like John Dewey. Christian school that I direct once employed a man with two earned doctorates, a law degree, and five other earned degrees. Yet, he could not have been legally qualified to teach in most public school systems. Nor would they have hired him anyway. They are required by law and union contract to pay people in terms of the number of degrees they hold. He would have bankrupted the school system. One of the ways that governments try to control the Christian schools is by requiring them to have certified teachers. To be certified, the teachers have to sit through four years of dreary methods courses in some college approved by the government. In these courses, they're indoctrinated in humanist philosophy. My wife took such a course. She was fed the secular ideas of our old philosopher friend, the atheist and socialist John Dewey. The college she attended, incidentally, was a church-related one. So don't assume that humanism is only in state schools. After four years of this stuff, my wife was certified to teach. First year in a public school was almost a disaster. She taught kindergarten in Connecticut. They didn't want anything of substance taught in kindergarten. As a result, kids were bored and restless by the end of the first semester. Can't imagine a more conscientious teacher than my wife. She had two kindergarten classes at that school, one in the morning and the other in the afternoon. The summer before school started, she personally visited every child at his home. She is a superb teacher, but the prescribed program of the government schools just doesn't work. After one year in the state schools, my wife devoted all her life to Christian education. She found that she had to unlearn everything she learned at college. She has been developing successful curriculum materials ever since. My wife and I started our own school. We seldom hired teachers who were certified by the government, nor did we follow a curriculum just because it was the fashion of the day. We got results, and that is what counts. Parents were pleased, so they patronised, parentized the school. In my day, we never put out a brochure on the school. Word of mouth advertising by satisfied customers helped build our enrolment. I must admit, my son has made the school so much money with his direct mail advertising that I figured we might as well let the free market teach us a profitable lesson. One time, a parent came to me to enrol a child in our Christian school. She was certified to teach first grade. She said she didn't know how to teach her own child to read and she wanted me to help her. I thought to myself, this lady has been through four years of college specialising in education and she is asking me how to teach her child to read? After all, 
I had never taken an education course in my life. I majored in philosophy, just like John Dewey and Karl Marx. Oops. There is a difference between certification and qualification. Some teachers are qualified to teach, and some are not. Just because a teacher is certified by the state does not guarantee that he or she is qualified to teach. Many highly qualified persons cannot be certified because they have not been through the programmes prescribed by the state. The sad fact is that education majors in our colleges are the bottom of the barrel as far as academic standards are concerned. They score the lowest on college entrance examinations. You know the old line, those who can, do, those who can't, teach, those who can't teach, teach teachers. The public school is becoming more aware of the poor teaching that is going on in the government schools. Pressure is being put on the politicians who require competency tests for teachers. Merit pay for teachers is also being advocated. The teacher unions have fought both ideas, although even they are reluctantly admitting there are serious problems in the profession. Teacher unions have job security as a high priority. Competency tests might weed out some of their members. As for merit pay, by definition, only a minority of teachers will qualify. The majority who don't qualify will always outvote the minority in the teacher unions. Summary The war against the Christian schools is a continuation of humanism's attack on Christian morality and the family. When they kidnap most children through the public schools, a few children begin to slip out of their control. The humanists have used various methods and strategies to regain at least partial control over private schools. The parents should make the final decision. They need to consult others for guidance, but in any case, state accreditation gives them no important information with one exception, tells them that the school's administration has capitulated before the state. This is negative information, not positive. If Christian parents want independence from the state, they must pay the price financially. They must also pay the price in terms of the world's so-called honours, such as accreditation and certification of teachers. Parents should not use the state's criteria as screening devices. Our goal is to escape the humanist state, not get it to approve of what we are doing, let alone license what we are doing. But Christians have academic inferiority complexes. They just cannot seem to believe that Christ's way is better, or that our blueprints are better. They pay the price. They are schizophrenic. They pay to get their children out of the public schools, and then they worry about accreditation of Israel and Jeroboam's day, they just aren't sure where to worship. In summary, 1. The lowest common denominator theology is always some variety of man-worship. 2. The political religion of good citizenship is humanism's substitute for Christianity. 3. This religion boils down to obey the state. 4. The humanists took over the golden calf, the public school system, that the Puritans had constructed. 5. Today, they use other means to control those Christian schools that are outside the direct control of public education. 6. They require the state to license rival schools. 7. This means the state permits the schools to exist, for now, 
and only on their terms. Eight, this may involve licensing church ministries. Nine, Christians should defend the idea of the separation of family and state. Ten, this means the separation of school and state, but the school is an agency of the family. Eleven, another means of control is accreditation. Twelve, sometimes this is granted by non-civil institutions. Thirteen, the threat of removing accreditation always hangs over the school. Fourteen, Christian schools should not normally seek accreditation, and never by the state. Fifteen, graduates of unaccredited high schools can still get into top-flight colleges and universities. Sixteen, certification of teachers is another threat to private schools. Seventeen, the founders of humanist philosophy themselves could not have taught as state-certified teachers. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.